Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503 558 6349 or slash portland On this episode of the podcast, it's just Nick and me. Just two of us. Once again, just and we are going to be talking about the thing you have all been waiting for, <laughs> Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, the Supreme Court ruling that overturned Roe v. Wade. Two cisgendered heterosexual white male <laughs> who have no. never and will never be pregnant <laughs> and who will also have already done an abortion episode <laughs> if you want but, to go back to that one it is yeah. episode number two i was gonna say i was one of the first ones episode number two but it's a friday it's 95 degrees outside right now and we're gonna talk about abortion exactly so we were talking about before this kind of like how to how to handle this and so dobbs versus jackson basically undid Roe v. Wade, which has been the law of the land for 50 years. And there's just so much complexity to this. I really am not sure where to start. Well, so I think the thing for me, the thing that struck me is how grateful I was on, because it was Friday morning that this, the, 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 Report came out. This somebody on the Supreme Court leaked it, like in April or something like that. But the yeah. the report came out the last before Friday the primaries. We yeah, before the primaries, and um, I was so grateful that weekend for everybody on Instagram and Twitter who chose not to have an abortion related tweet because there were so many takes from all over the place about how you know I don't even recognize this country anymore and the world is ending, and functionally for. Many Americans, you for many American women, you are still going to retain the right to have an abortion. Here in Oregon, you have the right to terminate a pregnancy up to the day it is born. While some zero states will restrictions, zero restrictions in the state of Oregon, yeah, which the, is the most permissive state when it comes to abortion yeah. in the country. And the thing that struck me is some even red states like North Carolina and Florida the, were the ones that were set as examples had you know so-called trigger laws that in the event Roe was overturned they're going to automatically have these real massive restrictions on abortions that prohibit the procedure after 15 weeks which is still more permissive than every single one of the countries in the EU right. most of the EU bans it after 12 weeks and so we're getting lectured from Emmanuel Macron about how you know regressive we are and how you know conservative supreme court justice taking us backward when functionally for many american women in many states at many early stages of the pregnancy which is where this would have helped if i would have googled this beforehand but something like 90 or 95% of the abortion procedures happened before week 15 anyway not that much is going to be different yet. Obviously, if you were on Twitter that weekend, obviously people were up in right. arms and really which is upset why about I it. stay away from Twitter. Which is that's a smart move, <laughs> smart move from James Ball. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. If you live in a blue state 
Nothing has changed. Nothing changed here in Oregon, Washington, California. Nothing has changed. The exact same thing happened pre-Dobbs and post-Dobbs. The only only place it changed was in red states that had these trigger laws, and they chose that. Voters elected legislators, and legislators made those laws. And if people were upset with those laws, you'd vote in new legislators. So it's really like... This, this is the thing that Dobbs did, is it took it from the federal level, from the Supreme Court, who is really not supposed to be making legislation, and drops it down to the state legislatures who have the, who have the ability to restrict abortion or not. And so you can say this is restricting somebody's rights and everybody's getting all up in, in arms about it, but if you... It, it really gives you, a, the voter, a lot more control over whether, whether they want to restrict abortion or not. And I think this is, this is uh, and obviously, if you, are a, if you are a pro-choice liberal, no part of this podcast is going to be pleasing for you. Despite nope. the fact that we are relatively centrist Republicans, I, no part of this is going to be <laughs> good. But I think this is going to be the good part about this decision. Sorry, is, listener. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, of the of the however many the one listener that we have who is a liberal, uh, yeah, our bad. But this is going to be the good part about this decision is instead of having blanket constitutionally protected right to abortion, it now focuses the discussion on a lot more difficult topics that force voters to have to go and learn things and make a more educated decision because now all of a sudden it's not just is this right or is this wrong. We have to go through and decide how much danger does the woman's health have to be in how much of a crisis does does that have to count if the fetus is no longer viable does the woman still need to be mandated to carry that to term knowing that it's not going to survive outside the womb? we all now have to get into this realm where we can no longer just say we're pro-choice or pro-life but what specific things we're going to have the to be okay with to be brought out yeah and there and, and in a lot of more serious elements this really does become a discussion about healthcare and discussion about how we treat women's bodies how well we take care of the soon to be mothers in our society and what we expect of them and i this is the interesting i don't know we're americans so we're entitled to have an opinion and we don't need license any more than that but i think this is a, an interesting for our listener to note is the fact that James, you and I each have a wife who is pregnant. It's not, yep. the, it's not the same wife. We're not, uh, <laughs> as soon as I wives. said that, yeah, they are different wives, but they are each pregnant. And it does, it has given us kind of a front row seat into what does it look like to watch somebody go through a pregnancy? And this is now no longer a, an ethereal 30,000 foot discussion for us. This is a real, we're living it every day. There's morning sickness, there's cravings, there's cramps and pains and aches and, I, I need more Zofran because I ran out of my nausea medicine, you know, whatever. And it, it really forces uh, certainly us, but I, I, a lot of Americans into a more nuanced, in-depth discussion of what does it mean to, to serve in the healthcare role for expecting women in this country and how can we best do that? And I would say <clears throat> a lot of this stuff should have been flushed out in the seventies and eighties. But it wasn't allowed to because of Roe. And I am not a constitutional lawyer, but I, I think that Roe was wrongly decided. I don't think that the right to privacy, the, the justification for Roe in the first place is something that's in the Constitution. My opinion doesn't matter. I'm just some knucklehead on a podcast. But that's now the Supreme Court. The new Supreme Court now, now agrees with that, that that was not properly decided in the first place. But even back when it was decided, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, this has been a kind of a big discussion since the, mm -hmm. the opinion was leaked or since Trump um, 
appointed those justices was Ruth Bader Ginsburg had concerns about Roe because that these these ideas weren't allowed to be fleshed out. It basically just cut off the discussion and said abortion is allowed. And like your to your point about the EU, the European Union has had the time to flesh out these discussions and say, you know, this is this is a, an appropriate time for an abortion. This is not an appropriate time. You know, these are the way the things that we want to allow, and these are the things that we don't. And now we, United States, are running into issues like the ten year old in Ohio. That has been running around the internet. Who was raped? Who got pregnant? Who then had to leave Ohio to go get an abortion? That is something that should have been fleshed out in 1979 of whether or not a 10 year old who was raped can get an abortion in the state of Ohio. And yet here we are in 2022. Nothing has been fleshed out because we stopped the discussion in 1970. What three or 1973? And we got this this whole debate, instead of being nuanced and looking at the health of the mother versus the rights of the baby, it became polarized of you're either for it or against it. And now we're, we have to spend the next decade figuring out what should be allowed and what shouldn't. And that all should have been done 50 years ago. Yeah, I, I, I think that that is absolutely right. I, there was one... Uh, there was one commentator who was bemoaning the decision and he said, how upsetting in this country is it that whether abortion is legal or not is decided by the Supreme Court? And one of the other guests was like, uh, dude, do you know what Roe is? Like, <laughs> that was exactly what has happened. And now it is. And you can point to every single state in the, I'm originally from Pennsylvania. You can't buy an 18 pack of beer. If you want to buy a 12 pack of beer and a 12 pack of beer, you have to buy one, leave the store, come back, buy the second one. And like, that's a really stupid law that the mm. other 49 states are just going to be like, what are you doing? But everybody in Pennsylvania apparently is, oh, well, it's not that everybody in Pennsylvania is okay with that. Everybody in, Pennsylvania, who's a state legislator, has a cousin who's got a roommate or whatever who's part of their version of the OLCC and <laughs> is funding funds their way so that they keep having to have all these ridiculous alcohol laws. Here, we live in Oregon, and we're all happy right now because we're in the middle of a heat wave, and the law that says you have to have somebody pump your gas for you has been suspended. We're like, we can pump our own gas. Like, what a novel concept. But, oh, when the temperature drops back down into the 80s next week, it's like, oh, no, you got to wait for the attendant again and pay however many extra cents in a gas tax to cover that person's salary. And it's just every single state has these weird, quirky laws. But that's kind of the beauty of the 50 states as laboratories of democracy is everybody's going to work their, those things out in their own way. And as it pertains to abortion, this is now kind of what that gift is, is we all have to go through and figure out and decide and i to to your point that you start out with i I think most constitutional scholars of which neither one of us is one but (laughs) most constitutional scholars will objectively look at roe and say yeah this is wrongly decided it's a pretty good example of legislating from the bench whether or not you agree that i want to have the right to have an abortion this is this was reaching to go through and get this and i this is anecdotally but a a personal friend who is i really do believe he's going to end up on the supreme court someday but is very liberal uh the day that this opinion came out he had already gone through and read all 92 pages and he said yeah it's fairly flawlessly argued against roe it is the weak points are that we are does not discuss the point that women can no longer be treated as equal members of society if you are forced to carry a pregnancy that you do not want to term but it is a pretty good dissection of roe and if obviously if you're a liberal 
that's not going to be good enough. Just the fact that you dissected Roe is not good enough. We, you, you believe that women are now no longer equal members of society. Well, I think this is a good good example of, in my mind, and this, these terminology, the terminology is a little bit rough here, but conservative versus liberal. And the way that I define those terms, especially from a Supreme Court standpoint, is if you're a liberal Supreme Court justice, you look at what is the outcome of this decision. You look at the consequences, you look at you know, how this is going to affect people, how it's going to affect people's rights, their ability to, to do things. And if you're a conservative, you are really just looking at the text of the Constitution and saying yes or no. You're not concerned with the the outcomes or the effects or whatever. And now we have objectively a conservative court who is making these decisions. And I think that there will be harm done by this decision to women. So that the 10-year-old girl in Ohio is a good example of someone who is abs- like objectively harmed by this decision. The question, but it's should the Supreme Court take that into consideration? Should they take into consideration the effects of their decision or should they just be a spell check on the Constitution and say yes or no This with complete disregard for the effect that it'll have on the populace? And I, I think that fantastically is a great point. One liberal listener, if you are still listening, I think that's this could <laughs> be lost, the thing that we lost them. We yeah, lost them way <laughs> long, long ago. Um, we, we were James and I were just at a bar and there was a gal wearing a uh, golden ACAB earring. So mm. maybe she's our listener. <laughs> she's the <laughs> one who's tuning in. She didn't even know she's next to us. But I, I, I think that that's a, a, a pretty fantastic point that, that, that honestly that you just made is we, uh, I, I mentioned at the top that my kind of thesis statement is that not much will change for too many individuals. The obviously the other side of that coin is that some will change drastically for a limited number of individuals. And if you're one of those people who is pro choice and does believe there is a constitutional right to have an abortion, but lives in a state like Texas or Mississippi and can no longer have one and is forced to carry a pregnancy that you did not intend to term, your life has changed pretty drastically. This isn't like, oh, I had too much to drink last night. Now I have a bad hangover and I have to, you know, miss a friend's wedding or something like that. Like this is something that is going to be around for 18 years this you are correct this will have adverse effects on the health of some american women and that is something that should not be celebrated we should recognize Mm -hmm. as conservatives and as republicans that that is a bad thing and this is what my uh, this is what my takeaway is for this case is we are republicans we believe if the question is should we have more abortions or fewer abortions we are going to side with fewer this is a wonderful time to take a step and say yes we want to have fewer abortions the overturning of roe v wade is a great start here's the next eight things we can do we can have comprehensive sex education school we can have access to free or cheap contraception we can ensure that uh, adoption laws have been have the red tape cut out it doesn't cost 10 or twenty thousand dollars to go through an adoptive baby we should make sure that pregnancy care is part of health care plans god forbid we actually try to go and just instead of waiting for companies to do this on part of their own why don't we go through and have a piece of legislation that's going to go through and address this or at least incentivize companies to go through and do something like this there's a number of things that we can do to actually be the pro-life party it does not just stop at overturning roe v wade and if we really do want to see fewer abortions in this country now is the time to get out and say this is exactly how we're going to do it 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And if anybody's listened to our other episode on abortion, that's basically what the what we came to was abortion should not be illegal, but there are many other things that we can do to reduce the number of abortions that other than just simply making it illegal, because once you make it illegal, you have all these corner cases, you have all these people who don't fit within the the framework of whatever law that you've you've placed on abortion. And you're hurting people, you're harming people. And life is much more complicated than pro-life or pro-choice. You know, there's this huge muddy middle of, you know, who, when you're comparing the rights of the woman versus the, the rights of the baby, like how do you, how do you measure that? It's, it's subjective. You can't do it. And uh, again, as husbands of two, not identical to separate pregnant women. You keep saying that, like <laughs> people are assuming sure. that we're <laughs> just want to make sure that we're clear on that. But it's one of those things that we, again, it's now it's part of our lived experience. And we have, I, I'd like to get him on the podcast. I think he's a really interesting guy. We have a nominee for Congress here in Oregon who is ostensibly pro-life, who had an affair with a mistress and paid for her to have an abortion after that affair resulted in a pregnancy. And this this is such a great example of... I think it was a girlfriend. You call, you say mistress as though he was cheating on his wife. I, th- I don't think he was married. Oh, is that right? I think it was just a girlfriend. Okay. Well, it, it, then... I, I Anyway. Mike, I apologize if that's... <laughs> if the, I... I, I I, all I know is I, I could be wrong. He may detail, have been married, but, but I thought it was just a girl he was seeing at the time. Uh, but it, in any case, I, the the as the germane part to to this podcast of the story is he he impregnated a girl, drove her to the abortion clinic, paid for the abortion, and said, "Yeah, whatever my pro life stance is, but I really can't have this baby right now, out of wedlock or just with this person that I'm not ready to have a baby with or whatever." But this is it's such a great example of. What it's like to be watching the show versus an actor in the show. And it's, it's real easy for people to be kind of armchair politicians on this because unless you are a woman between the ages of 18 and 34, there's a really low probability that you yourself are actually going to get pregnant. And it's not, we can have opinions on it, sure, but it's not ever something that's going to affect your life as much as it's going to affect a pregnant woman. And somebody who has to go through that process. You know, one of our previous podcast guests who shall remain nameless, one of our post-podcast conversations uh, said that so many people believe that abortion should be legal for rape, incest, and for me. And that is the type of hypocrisy that the left picks up on and just takes it and runs with it. So, you know, if you're if you're going to be pro-life, you got to stick it out and be pro-life. So, I... Mike Erickson, I, I don't know. I'd love to hear his take on it because that was the thing that killed his career back in what 1998 or whenever he ran for I think Congress. It was 2000. Was it 2000? Yeah. Anyway, it was it was a while ago, but that was the thing that that derailed his career, and now he's the Republican nominee for Congress and trying to put that behind him. I'd be interested to hear his take. But I wish him well in that race. Andrea Salinas is the person he's running against, who is a quite formidable opponent. I think she definitely knows her stuff. I think we would have had a lot better shot to win that seat if Ron Noble were the nominee. Mm-hmm. I, Ron Noble, friend of the pod, he's been on here before. Not saying we're not going to yeah, try to get Mike on. that was disappointing. 
Yeah, that was that. That was we. I we've never really actually had the conversation about Rational Republican having endorsements, but I guess if we did, we <laughs> probably would have endorsed Ron Noble in the primary just because we probably. had. He was the only person that we had on the show, so we. Well, we had well, Angela Plowhead, Plowhead, Angela Plowhead, Plowhead yeah. yeah. Who I, also I like Angela a lot. I just yeah. she just didn't have the resume to be a, a I, real serious yeah, no, candidate. I, she she so. worked incredibly hard, and that's I. I at have the end not, of the day. That's what you want. I have not seen anyone work harder than Angela Plowhead in that race. So there you go. Angela, anyway, come props, back on the pod. Props to Angela for sure. <laughs> whatever your whatever your next move is. But uh, uh, getting back to abortion, which is probably not going to be Angela Plowhead's next move. <laughs> that was a really poor segue to, to get back into that comment there. Um, but I, I do think it it opens us up for for 50 years. The GOP has been a, a dog trying to chase a, a bumper. Mm-hmm. And the dog never knows what it's going to do when it gets to that bumper, but every, it all just comes by there. Oh, we got to go life, get it. Yeah. And now we got the bumper. Mm-hmm. And now it's, you can't just say like, okay, no abortions ever. You can't just blanket statement do that. The, well, I think some states are trying. Well, I, the, there are states that have, I, Texas is one of them, just period, just full stop. We're done. just not going to do it. But this is, there's going to be massive revolts. I, there's not going to be any, any tenable way to just say, all right, our solution is to just outlaw abortion. You you have to actually put together thoughtful legislation, compassionate ideas with the health of women in mind, knowing obviously that your goal is to reduce the number of abortions that we have in this country or in whatever state that you happen to be in. But the, you cannot logically just say, okay, cool. The Supreme Court overturned Roe. I live in a state. We're just going to outlaw abortion. That's going to be that because there are still going to be innumerable women who will leave to other states, perhaps permanently. There's already, you know, trade shows, conventions, NASCAR series, whatever. Well, probably not NASCAR, <laughs> but the, the final four or something like that is going to, it Jeez. will change locations from other. There are all these companies. Mm-hmm. I, that day, every big company in the country came out and said, we're going to start paying for medical related travel expenses. Uh, I, I know a company that. Well, what's this? I feel like that's a bit of a what's what's more expensive for a company to pay for an abortion or to pay for maternity leave and potentially lose your your worker. And, you know, now you have to do potentially like maybe half time. It is much cheaper for that company to pay for the abortion like that. I don't I don't think that that is. That's pretty self-serving, I see. I think. Well, I you're you're winning your woke points and you're saving money in the process. Like, what could be better from a corporate standpoint? I I, I do think there's a you know with the advent of the internet and Glassdoor and everything, I do think there is a. It is not just about the salary that you earn at company X anymore. A lot of people are paying attention to the the benefits and the lifestyle, and one of the things is. Things like paid maternity leave, things like paid paternity leave, things like how, you know, what your healthcare kind of plan is like. And I, I don't, so I don't necessarily know that companies are looking to do that to just in an effort to just get out of pain. I will bet you there's, leave. there's a finance guy behind, like, uh, would they have done it anyway? I would probably a lot of them, but I'll bet you there's a finance guy that's like, hmm, if they have an abortion and we don't have to pay, pay them to be gone for six months. This is a, a net positive. Well, I, I'll bet you there is a PowerPoint slide somewhere that says this is how much money we're saving well, by first paying off, for abortions. I, if you know of a company that's going to give you six months off for maternity leave, you call me because I'd like to go apply Intel. For Intel give you six months off. It was actually off. six months. I'm pretty sure it was six months Okay, that's, I, for maternity I, leave. My I'm, friend works at Lamb Research and Lamb does six months. So... Tech company. Oh, shoot, I was gonna. I gotta I get into tech, like I was, man. I I have four months for paternity leave, and I thought I was getting like this 
kingly deal. I got to go start working for those guys. Son of a gun. But I, I will, this can be a, a people always kind of write in and just be like, oh, I like listening to your show, but you guys, all you just sit there and do is agree on everything. This can be something that we, we can mark <laughs> in as something that we disagree with because I, I do believe that companies actually are interested in finding ways to be competitive in ways that are not salary. Everybody knows everybody's salary anymore. All you got to do is go I on glass door. Companies are self-interested and working on making the most amount of money that they can. I I don't disagree with that point, but I think if company A is going to pay for six months of maternity leave and company B is going to pay for zero months of maternity leave, ceteris paribus, people are going to go want to work for company A and everybody kind of knows that. So they're going to, they, they make the most money by hiring and retaining the best employees. And if what you have to do is bite the bullet at some point and say, I, you're, you know, Harvard educated rocket science. I don't know, whatever, depending on what your company does. But I, if what it takes to keep you here in this job is six months of paternity leave, then that's what we're going to do. And I think at the end of the day, this is one of those, you got to spend money to make money type things, but we will, or we will instead, of, instead of paternity leave, you can just pay for an abortion and it's a lot cheaper. It's a plane ticket and 300 bucks or whatever. If you come to I, Oregon, they'll pay for it for you. Up to up to $4,000 worth of expenses. But yeah, admittedly, that is still cheaper than, than six, six months, months of, of salary and salary losing for an employee. a yeah. zero productive employee. Yeah. I, I think that this is going to be something we're going to agree to disagree on. <laughs> <laughs> I, we'll, we'll discuss I'm, this more later. I'm mostly being a little bit of a troll here, but I'm, I promise you... Someone did a financial analysis on this. There's a slide buried some in some deck somewhere in some executive's inbox that shows exactly how much money they're saving by paying for abortions because yeah. they don't have to pay. Like every employee, instead of six months of zero productivity, you pay 4000 bucks and you're done with it. I also I think we're we're hung up on the six months thing. I do I not mean, think most companies months. are okay, anywhere near Two that. Months, whatever. I, it's still cheaper well, than than four thousand like four thousand dollars is still less expensive. Yeah, I'm than just saying we'll we'll start we'll start this is gonna turn into rational tinfoil and we're gonna start doing a bunch of FOIA requests and we'll start to Someone like I worked in finance. This. this is what corporate finance people do. Someone someone was tasked, some undergrad, twenty three years old, was tasked with making a slide that says, How much money are we gonna save by the doing this? What is the financial <laughs> impact of paying for people to have abortions? And they did a slide and it's somewhere all right well I we'll find out you, they do someday. analyses on everything someday we will find out the answer to this question and it will see to what extent that slide should it exist drove the decision making or if it was just woke wokeness or everybody's trying to trip over each other to be more liberal than the other ones or everybody just want a good publicity or whatever yeah. but we will we will find the answer to that question <laughs> that will be a follow-up to this episode on rational tinfoil <laughs> our sister podcast are starting <laughs> getting back to dobbs uh one of the things it, it is interesting i have very mixed feelings about the way that this supreme court is is conducting themselves because like we already talked about on one hand the decisions they're making not just dobbs but other stuff it ends up harming people and i think i wouldn't even say that it's the wrong decision but they're taking a conservative stance on something that has been traditionally a liberal court. And what they're doing, what I appreciate, is taking those decisions and basically kicking them back to Congress, kicking them back to state legislatures. They're taking power away from the Supreme Court and they're giving it back to, by, by overturning these, these rules, 
giving it back to Congress. You know, so now we have the opportunity where Congress or, you know, there, there was a discussion about in the 92 pages of decision that made gay marriage legal could be on the block for being overturned. And while I 100% support gay marriage and people's ability to get married, I don't believe that's the Supreme Court's role. And so this is another thing that Congress or state legislatures could and should have codified ages ago. And yet they never had the opportunity because why bother the Supreme Court did this. I feel the same way about executive orders. Executive orders are the president then or the governor taking power away from the legislature. I firmly believe that the legislature, whether it's Congress or the state, should be the one making the laws and decisions for for our country or state. The executive branch is the executor. They just do what the legislature tells them. The legislature is the one who's responsible to voters, accountable to voters, and what this Supreme Court is doing is putting more hands, more more power back in the hands of the people by via their elected legislators. So I will say I I, I think that that's an interesting take because I know specifically Clarence Thomas was the one who in his in a concurring opinion I think had had gone through and talked about yeah maybe it's time like there now exists a world in which we could revisit. Griswold and contraception, a Bergfell and same-sex marriage, a couple of different things like that that everybody said, whoa, 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 whoa. We always knew abortion was a little iffy politically, but same-sex marriage is like, there's no way. Contraception, there's no way. And I I appreciate that. Uh, I know, I think Alito and Kavanaugh had taken pains in their writing to stress that no, we are not going to revisit those decisions. We, the, we believe that the court got that right. There is, in fact, constitutional protections for the purchasing of contraception and the recognizing of marriage by same-sex couples. I think the, the same-sex couple that, is marriage anyway because that's they, fair. Congress just codified the Marriage Equality Act, and there was it was well, you're right a that, number that of happened a couple days yeah. ago. Yeah, so now now it's a moot point. Cliff, anyway, Cliff Bentz, Cliff Bentz, our our voted our, for that. Our lone, our lone Republican congressman, soon not to be lone Republican congressman. He voted vote for that, for and that, I appreciate that, which and was fantastic. So it's it's one of those things. This, this back to this conservative versus liberal debate. You know, liberal would look at that and say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is awful. You're taking away my rights." And a conservative, I think, looks at that and says, no, this is Congress. Congress should have done this all along. This is not the por- purpose of the Supreme Court. Supreme Court checks things against the Constitution. And I mean, I guess, again, not a constitutional lawyer. Um, and again, I, th- I think that there can also be a dichotomy between whether you support a thing and support the way that the thing was was legalized, I guess. Again, 100% support gay marriage. I think Congress is the one who needs to who needs I, to codify that, and they did. So and they did. We're yeah. good on that one. They're Same thing up. with contraceptives. There's, yeah. there's no reason that contraceptives should be illegal. Congress should be the one to say that. Yeah, it's I, not the Supreme Court. It's the converse. I do not support, say, leisure suits, but I would not support <laughs> a law outlawing leisure suits. Like that's just asinine. But I think this is this kind of also gets at the at the heart of one of the super bad problems with abortion on the left is that ever since Roe, 
the Democrats had 50 years to go through the legislative process in Congress and codify Roe into law at the national level. But they had no reason and, to because it was. Did, well, I reason to decided. or not, they still, I mean, it's like they don't necessarily have a reason to rename a post office in Dubuque, Iowa, but that bill gets passed through Congress three times a week. Like those things are going on all the time. <laughs> there was no real reason to, but they're going to do it anyway. But they never did it because. We now have a fundraising issue and oh no, the big bad Republicans are going to come. And what was the first thing that happened as soon as Roe was overturned? If you are a Democrat who's on any kind of political connections, or whatever, you got an email on the Nancy Pelosi listserv mm-hmm. and the Eric Swalwell listserv and the Andrew Yang listserv and the Barack Obama listserv or whatever says, how can these Republicans be taking over our country like this and take us back into the Stone Age if you send just $25 right now? You can help elect Democrats to Congress to fix it. Now, who's wearing the tinfoil hat? There, Nick. No, did you not see? Did you not see? (laughs) No, I I, I know what happened, but I don't think that that's the reason they never codified it. Oh, I I think they just felt they didn't need to because the Supreme Court they they just use it for fundraising for fifty years. Well, so anybody, and and not that I'm accusing liberals of being smart, but any (laughs) any liberal who does happen to be smart is going to look at the Roe decision and realize this was on at best constitutionally shaky ground. I think they always knew that this was target number one for the GOP, especially since kind of the Reagan Revolution in the eighties and nineties. But like they always knew that this decision is is probably not long for this world. They knew that they had the opportunity to go through, and at least most recently, I can think of in the Obama administration, the early, I think, year, year and a half before Ted Kennedy died of the Obama administration, you had a Democratic president, you had a Democratic Congress, and you had a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate. You could have gone through and passed any legislation that you liked, including the legalization of abortion, and whether you believed it was always going to be there or not, I personally like to think anybody who's kind of got a finger on the pulse or whatever is going to say, yeah, there's an opportunity that this kind of could get overturned. We should maybe go ahead and get ahead of this one. But you, you can't deny the fact that those emails all came out and there was, if you haven't, you can go on Twitter with some dude and he was wearing a San Antonio Spurs hat, but he went on this real epic, (laughs) like left as left can be. But he said, I am just so sick of getting requests for fundraising. Like you Mm -hmm. guys have failed. You guys dropped the ball on this for five decades and you continually ask me for money to just go and get more and more of you elected. So you can go and continue to fail, do something for once and then I'll give you my money. But Mm -hmm. like, this isn't a Republican that's coming out and saying this. This is some very far left Democrat because he clearly is on all these lists, list serves in the first place. He's getting hit up for money left, right and center from all these politicians, all these Democrat blue politicians who want to take back our country from the evil, regressive Republicans. You got I, it's it's not coming through, obviously, on the audio, but I was just shaking, shaking my shaking fist, fist like yeah. Abe Simpson at an angry cloud there imitating the Democrats <laughs> here. But no, I, I definitely do think that. Uh, any Democrat who had an, a modicum of power would have wanted to say sensibly, I want to go through and make sure that we don't have to ever have this debate again. I don't want to worry that if the Supreme Court overturns this, that there's ever going to be any kind of debate on this. I want to make sure that we're good to go. But instead, it's it's a wedge issue and people get upset about it. And we are, as a country, massively divided on this issue. There is no room for nuance anywhere. And now here we are. Now, here we are. Yeah. And all that stuff should have been decided in the 70s and 80s. You know, I reached going back to the gay marriage thing. I was talking with a friend of mine and I don't I haven't 
verified this, but he said that gay marriage actually has not been codified in the Oregon Constitution. The Oregon Constitution still says a man and a woman. And since the Supreme Court decided on gay marriage, it has just stayed that way. And so I actually reached out to the Drazen campaign and said, hey, this would be a good opportunity to support a constitutional amendment to codify the same-sex marriage in the Oregon Constitution. It's going to happen anyway. Like it's mm-hmm. it's one of those things that if if the Supreme Court were to go, you know, like you said, in, in Clarence Thomas's um, his his opinion, if this was a thing that the Supreme Court decided to overturn, it would be all of about thirty seconds before there was a constitutional amendment. Anyway, it's like kind of an olive branch, I think, to those to the progressives to say this is important. This is important to you. It's important to us, and you know, maybe. Anyway, they didn't respond, so we'll see. Well, and I, but I, I think that would be a great thing for a Republican, especially a Republican running for governor, to do. I'd be like, this is this is a thing that that we think is important. Well, and I, and especially, I, you're right, but I, I think more than an olive branch, it's an example of Republicans and Democrats agree that this is the right thing to do. Yeah. Period. Full stop. There is no harm to society by a same-sex couple getting married. And again, Cliff Bentz, our CD two representative or congressman voted to codify it at the federal level yeah so i have a feeling that Blessings. we are this is probably 70 percent of oregon thinks that same-sex marriage should be legal and oh, really? that includes I, I put the number a lot higher than that you think I, higher than that yeah i don't on it like even i 70 is a huge majority though donald trump was the first elected president to support same-sex marriage barack Weird. obama did not support even in 2012 that was a donald trump was the first person to do it i if you ask any and i any part of the maga agenda anything is just we don't like immigration we want stuff made here in america we clearly don't like education. We maybe like eating cheese through straws. <laughs> I don't know all the stuff that Donald Trump and the very far fringe right part of the party stands for, but at no nowhere in there is there any kind of anti-gay stuff. There, the, the, in four years, there was never anything that came up to where he just he made really offensive comments, like he did about women and people from El Salvador, and I <laughs> right. and really any any group that you could ever think of. Donald Trump said really bad things about, and then had really bad policy ideas about, but nothing ever came up about gay marriage. And I I would have mm-hmm. to, I, you know, we'll take the over under on this one. We'll put a we'll put the next beer on this or something like that. I don't know, but I would wager that more than seventy percent of Oregonians support. Same sex marriage because i think all the people in the gop who really really cared about it really thought that this was an issue 10 years ago are now just like we've moved on to stopping bad greenhouse gas legislation or anti-gun legislation or now abortion you know whatever there's a different hobby horse gay marriage has been the law of the land for 10 years and society has not crumbled and i'm I'm hoping that the remaining 20 30 percent whoever it may be 70% 70% is a huge supermajority for any issue. I I feel like we're kind of on the same page, but maybe we're just with different numbers. Anyway, regardless, um, I think that the I think it's only a matter of time before the other people get on board. But this is a good opportunity to sit to for the Republican Party, especially the Republican candidate for governor, to to basically say, you know, hey, this is this is settled. We're we're done debating this. It's happened. Um anyway, we'll see. Christine Drazen, friend of the pod, 
Come back on. Let's come have a conversation on. about chat. same-sex marriage. I should write to her and see if we can get her back on. That'd be good. There we go. We we have we we had talked to her before she even started running for governor. So this is where we're overdue for a conversation. We've got. Whole, I'm sure she's got a slew of stories to to share with us between now and then. And I'm sure she has no interest in coming back on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I yeah, I, I don't know what to say on that. Well, I uh, fingers crossed because again, it, it, it's more than a good politics, which I think you're right that it absolutely is. It, it's the right thing to do, yeah. and I think it's the same thing with uh, as we kind of and nothing know, will change e- even if even if the Supreme Court reversed it. Like I said, it'd be about thirty seconds before there was a constitutional amendment allowing gay marriage in yeah, Oregon. We're just gonna like it. Just there, there's no question that that would happen. But as we circle back to to abortion, I think in terms of obviously if you're a Republican, you want good politics, you want more Republicans to get elected, but you also want to have good policy. And I think this is, this provides a wonderful opportunity for a lot of good policy on our end that we, for the last five decades have not had the need to try to flesh out and think about because all we've just, everything is just let's overturn row, overturn row, overturn row. And now mm-hmm. that it is, it's like, all right, let's actually go through and like figure out the nuance, figure out the differences, figure out how to best manage the healthcare of, uh, women who are going through the pregnancy process and make sure that we can do everything safely, cost effectively, and make sure that we do have healthy I'm, babies. I'm convinced this is one of the reasons Trump got elected in the first place. Cause I've talked to a number of Trump supporters who are, you know, moderate, level-headed, and I've asked, like, you know, Christian values, whatever, and I've asked them, I was like, how the heck can you support this philandering, lying, you know... Thrice married. Thrice married, cheated on his wife with Stormy Daniels, and then paid to keep it quiet. I mean, how can you support this guy that is against every single thing that you pretend to believe? And the not pretend to believe, actually believe, but like, how can you support this guy who is who is contrary to all of your your morals and beliefs? And the thoughtful Republicans that I talked to responded, he will appoint conservative Supreme Court justices who will overturn Roe. That was their rationale for voting Trump and voting Republican every single time, regardless of who it is. And I, for one, am thankful that we no longer need to have that discussion. You know, we can have a discussion of, you know, if we get another, I mean, Trump now has become a meme basically, but if we get someone else like that, who is just completely contrary to all of the conservative family value ideals, they're probably not going to get elected. So we can focus on getting better candidates for president. Here, here. Let's get I my guy's Larry Hogan, governor of Maryland. Larry, please come on the podcast. But that's if if that's the outcome is we get more thoughtful, policy minded, solid work ethic, good Republicans elected to office and fewer grandstanding gadfly esque Matt Gatesy type Republicans, then that's that is a solidly good outcome for what is already a good outcome for Republicans and that row was overturned. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we are getting toward the end of the podcast. We don't have any guests to talk about who your favorite. Republican I was going to say, so, yeah, we, we, so, I, we've both already answered that question. What's I guess a, we'll just what? What do we usually do when it's just two of us? What, what can we just? Uh, what's your favorite app on your phone? How about my that? favorite app? Reddit. I know Reddit. Okay, I know. I freaking so, I hate and love Reddit at the same time. That's a that's a little basic, but that is a that's pretty good, and it's honestly it's a good way to kind of like get news, see what's going on here in Portland. It's it's like Twitter, but with a little more 
structured context. It's not just like people blasting whatever. I hate Twitter. I am. So like I send a lot of texts. I, I go on Twitter a lot and that's uh, almost exclusively on my phone. Same thing as Instagram. Uh, but I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with the New York Times crossword puzzle because I, mm. every day at 620 or whatever time I happen to wake up, <laughs> it only takes like 43 seconds, but you go through it as just like, I don't feel like you, I've started my day until I do the crossword puzzle. You do a crossword puzzle in 43 seconds. That's pretty, yeah, pretty there, impressive. There's like nine clues or something like that, but oh, yeah, it's, oh, it, that's it. Oh. I, I feel like a failure if it takes me more than a minute. It's just like, <laughs> oh my God, I can't figure out the capital of France or whatever. It's five letters. What are we going to do here? But yeah, it's it, it's just a little Fair. mental tick. But yeah, that's that's ladies and gentlemen, that's how I start my day. New York I, Times crossword puzzle. I make stupid comments and gain a bunch of karma, and then <laughs> I go argue with people on our Portland and lose all my karma. That's my that's my <laughs> my Reddit routine. Anyway, that's about it, uh, listeners. Thank you for listening and for the liberal who stuck with us this whole time. Especially Bless thank you. you. Yeah. And for the rest of you, we'll see you next time. There you go. Thanks for listening to the Rational Republican Podcast. Your hosts are James Ball and Nick Perlosky. The show today is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors of Portland, serving the greater Portland metro area for all your garage door installation and repair needs. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at james at jamesaball.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find our episodes at jamesaball.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.